Welcome to Joy in Learning, a podcast from the Harley School in Rochester, New York. We're an independent school for nursery through grade 12, where there's always lots of interesting learning going on for us to share with you. This episode is the first of three interviews I did with Dr. Terry Smith, head of the lower school, on play as a vehicle for learning. I am here with Terry Smith, head of the lower school, in the first of a short series of interviews that I'm going to do with her about play as a vehicle for learning. So first question is, let's talk about how we see play as a vehicle for learning versus play as sort of a recreational time filler. Okay. the I think play is broadly defined as you know we were talking earlier play is a is a um, is a verb and a noun right that has lots of different definitions and applications you can play uh, music you can play a soccer game you can go outside and play which is great uh, you can play words with friends you can play all kinds of, of different ways and and I think as adults we mostly believe that play is prote- potentially the opposite of work you know we're either working productively or it's our free time and so we're pursuing something that we want to do therefore it's play or it's recreation as you said uh, but that's I think it, humans, Animals, I think we're all born with uh, a disposition for play. I think that we are curious. I think that we're creative. I think that we uh, naturally gravitate towards things that are uh, interesting and motivating for us. And so the best of all possible worlds is when our job is actually that, <laughs> which mine is and yours is. Uh, so, so coming to a place of... Um, of being able to, it's how you spend your time. It's like saying you only learn at school, but you're learning all the time. So in many ways, I feel like we're playing all the time. It's just sometimes you have to play with more constraints than in other times. So as we're talking about it in terms of play as a vehicle for learning, play with purpose, uh, purposeful play and uh, guided play versus sort of uh, the idea of traditional schooling, which may be sit at a desk, here's your worksheets, fill it out kind of thing. That too, I think, can be playful. Uh, but, uh, it, but, but, for, but for us, you know, what you want to do is as much as you can have kids learn in their natural mode, and I think play is totally it. The, from when we're born, uh, we start playing with the world around us, exploring it, creating understanding from interacting with the world. Uh, and I think, you know, kids will start, you know, even with language, they'll start babbling like the kids, are going, blah, 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 you know, they're blowing bubbles with their mouths. They're grabbing onto things. They're squeezing people's fingers. Even as infants, they're playing because they're getting input, right? As we play, we sort of are making, uh, we're gathering more information where uh, somebody throws a ball at us. Of course, we can't catch it because that comes later, but it bounces and it rolls down the driveway or it's rolled across the floor. Uh, and we're paying attention to that. And we're suddenly saying, well, worked there hmm I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna I'm gonna explore it a little bit and I'm gonna gonna play with it uh people who are uh 
you know, not necessarily prone towards playfulness, I think do. I think play again can be people who aren't necessarily going to run out the door with their, their bike or a baseball mitt or, uh, you know, off to the great escape room or something like that, that kind of, Hey, let's go play. Uh, I think people still play because that's the life of the mind. I mean, that's our imagination. We, we always have something that will keep our interest, whether it's a book or whether it's, uh, hmm, figuring out a problem or, uh, plotting your cross country you know, I think travel is play. I think all these things that, that give you, uh, more information than you normally would, uh, it's, it's multidimensional. So, um, getting back to your question now in terms of how do we play in, uh, and how do we learn through play is really tapping into that, which is not necessarily being, uh, prescriptive or directive in what we want kids to learn, but letting them come to their own understandings on their own terms. Kids have, adults have uh, dispositions towards learning. I have to do something with my hands. I have to hold on to it. I have to wrestle with it. I have to do it uh, in order to understand it, which goes back to Dewey, which goes back to, to all of our sort of progressive roots. Uh, rather than saying uh, this is the way to write a paragraph or write a sentence or punctuate a sentence or, um, you know, uh, uh, create an experiment. We let the, we let the students have a big idea of what they want to do. And then they get to marshal their resources to figure out how, how they, if they don't know enough information, then the drive to is, is purposeful is we need to explore. We need to find out more. We need to research. And that's very close to them because as I said, what we play is really pursuing something that is for our own enjoyment. And, you know, we have joy in learning and I think it's hard to capture until you see it in action. But so that's, I'm sure what you're getting me to describe. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop at that point. <laughs> I think that's where, that's where this sort of goes to next is uh, talk to me about how this gets implemented. You know, we've talked about the broader purpose of play as a vehicle for learning where do we see that implemented in the lower school everywhere right it's it's across all all the content areas and what's great about the lower school is that those content areas are really integrated right you don't just put in your math brain you don't just put in your language brain everything is <clears throat> is comprehensive and 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 connected to each other so uh writing, for instance. Let's sit down. You're in a primary classroom. You're a kindergartner and you're filling out your weekend journal, right? What did you do over the weekend? Well, first of all, I can I have to think about my weekend and I can tell you all about it. And my weekend is very different from anybody else's weekend. So I have ownership. I have great pride in what I did. Therefore, great motivation to share that and to record it. Uh, so I, I will draw a picture of what I did over the weekend. That's my first way of communicating it. And, and for some children, that may be that they use a pencil and they draw stick figures and they do their best effort that way. And for other children who uh, who already are a little more advanced with their fine motor skills and their representational drawing, they may draw a, a more complete, thorough picture with colors and everything. And it sort of evolved. But um, then getting down to what did you do, putting words to paper, that's a, that's a great challenge for a lot of kids and how you communicate and how you write down ideas. And this is something that goes through the whole school, which I'm sure we'll talk about, just um, different ways of communicating, different ways of writing. Uh, I, I may be a child 
child who says, uh, over the weekend, I went to a birthday party. I went to a friend's birthday party. Uh, okay, great. Uh, the teacher will encourage the student to say, um, to, to think about, okay, what are the sounds that you hear in those words? Let's start writing some down. Let's inventive spelling, right? It's, it's not necessarily, I can make anything, uh, I can just write willy-nilly any letters down. It's thoughtful. It's improvisatory in a way, sort of in, in that you're saying, I know, I know that relates to B because my name is Billy. Therefore, I know that it starts with the B. So I know birthday party sounds this starts the same way. So I'll put down a B and, you know, it may end up looking, um, like this weekend, I W T T A B D Y P Y, right? Or something like that, right? It's, it's all the sounds that the child hears. And so they're playing with it and they're trying to put it in the right order. And maybe it's reversed and maybe, you know, and whereas there's other children who, who they're playing with language in a different level, right? So they're, they know how to write words. And so I went to a birthday party. The teacher's going to say, so. What more can you say about that? Wow, you've already got that sentence down. Looks like you've written things. I understand. I can read your writing. What What more can you say about that? You went to a birthday party. Whose birthday party was it, right? And so, so opening doors for them to have open-ended um, questions to answer in their own way versus a everybody sit down, take out your pencils, and write at the top of your paper this weekend, T-H-I-S, I'll wait till you write down, Space. Make sure there's a space. Put your thumb there and go to the next one. I, capital I, and then and then directing what they need to produce rather than the process of creating something that is theirs, that is at the level that they're ready. And they'll be challenged. They'll be extended. Uh, and that has so much more lasting value and so much more foundation on which you can build the next level of of expanding that learning. So this is a very uh, small example, but I would say <clears throat> in everything, how the, how the classes create their plays with Jay in performing arts, how everything that Siobhan does in the art room, and it seems more natural that way to talk about playing with materials and all of that. Um, uh, but you do that with, you know, academic areas and and integrated uh, areas as well. And speaking of materials, we've talked about uh, pen and paper, traditional pen and paper, and you mentioned just a, touched a little bit on the artistic materials. What are some other materials that might get used in a play-based <clears throat> program. Wow. Uh, you could just pick one um, as an example. Magnets, uh, scales, weighing things, rulers, unifix cubes, uh, Legos, yeah, we were water. Talking about Legos yeah. Earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the Legos and, and buoyancy idea. Oh, right. So the, uh, right. Well, well, that kind of goes back to, and I'll sum this up rather quickly, sort of the, the, the the stages of play that we have in terms of how everybody goes through them, whether you're an infant or, or whether you're, um, the first time you're introduced to something, you have to explore it with your senses, right? Babies will, you know, talk about babies with Legos, right? Okay. So, so here's this little Lego block and the baby's going to look at it, touch it, feel it, squeeze it, sit on it, put it in its mouth, hit somebody with it, you know, all of that to explore what it does, right? So sensory motor is the first sort of grounding level that you have with something before you can do anything else with it. You have to understand it sensorily. Uh, and then you go to an exploratory phase of, uh, okay, what what if I put this on carpet? What if I put this uh, on the dog? What if I throw it in the air? What does it do? Like putting it, stretching what you understand about it by putting it through lots of different environments. Uh, and then you start constructing with it. So you can imagine that um, you have a whole bin of Legos and the kids, you know, are just sort of constructing everything they want from their own imagination 
imagination. I know I want to build a tall tower, so this is what I need to do. Doesn't matter what color it is. I don't know. I need this kind of block. Constructing something with it, and then the idea of the, the final stage of play is games with rules. Uh, so that would be you getting your Millennium Falcon Lego kit and pulling it out and saying oh, all these pieces. And it's not that you can do whatever you want with them. It's that there's a certain recipe and there's a certain there's certain constructing steps to follow that are prescribed for you. And you love it, right? Because at that point, you've done everything you wanted to with the Legos. You've explored them. You've had your own way. And now you can say, okay, but this is what I want to build. And this is how I'm going to get to it. And that's awesome. And the and the flow of being able to like build and be satisfied with, okay, I found that piece that was this corner piece. And now this connects to this. I see what I'm coming into. So, so that kind of... Um, that kind of idea is applied to all the materials, right? We don't ask children to do something with content or materials until they've had the chance to play with it, right? They've had the chance to explore it, to put it to the test, to talk to other people about it, to, you know, give the kids um, the, the, the primary, one of the primary classes uh, did a project called a field, right? And so they would all have cameras, little kid cameras, and they would go outside. And rather than saying, children, I want you to go out and I want you to take pictures of of X, Y, and Z, right? Go find bird habitats or go find footprints or something. They would go out and they'd take pictures of anything that you want to. What interests you, right? And so they go out there and every child had something unique and different that they were able to then take pictures of. And then they would come back into the computer lab and they would narrate why they took pictures of what they did. And then from there, you can you can craft it into, okay, now we want to go out and we want to do something a little more specific. Or this is something new I want you to figure out about your camera. Can you figure out how to take pictures vertically instead of horizontally or things and giving them questions. Can you try this? I wonder what would happen if we did this, you know, that sort of inquiry approach to everything, whether it's actual materials that you're using, um, yeah, a, a compass or uh, something that to, to, to draw in uh, third or fourth grade math, right, to draw a circle or how do we use this, right? You have to draw a snowman with it first to be able to then apply it and have it. I want you to draw a, a circle that's two inches as the radius, you know, things like that. They have to play with it and, and get familiar with it first and be satisfied with it in order to move on to the next level. It builds that kind competency, it builds that understanding so that you can then extend it. That's wonderful. Uh, so you've talked, we've talked a lot about sort of the broad strokes and concepts, and you talked a little bit about a specific example with um, kids using cameras and photography. Uh, talk about another specific example of how this might show itself in a subject matter, say maybe math or science. Okay, uh, we we talked a bit about sort of the inquiry approach, and I would say uh one of the one of the best examples you'd mentioned buoyancy earlier and I didn't address it with the legos but uh but one of the favorite activities in the 3 year old nursery classroom even you know where where you know why 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 is the sky's the limit and that's such a healthy learning environment uh not only individually driven but by the group i, I wonder what uh would happen if we do this they they uh have a bin of water and they take all the crayons out of a Know, 16 pack or whatever it is and and they ask the children to predict you know or actually what they do is they put in a couple crayons first of different colors and ask the children to notice right so observation um what do you notice well you know the and, and i'm I'm making this up, but but it's actually better with different specific colors, and they would the teachers would be able to tell you which ones those are. But for instance, let's say brown, 
uh, sank to the bottom and red floated and white was sort of suspended in the, in the middle of the, of the liquid. And it asked the children to notice, you know, what do you, what do you notice? Well, I noticed that one crayon's on the bottom and one crayon's on the top. Well, you know, why do you think that is? Or what's, what's different? I mean, they're all crayons. Are they the same size? Yeah, they're the same size. I wonder why one floats and one doesn't. Let's experiment and, and test out a little bit more. And so by then they will go through and it, you should do it at home because different crayons of different colors will float and sink and it's it's interesting <laughs> and, and intriguing actually um so so that and then from there they can go to okay let's go gather some materials outside so we, we gathered some bark we gathered a rock uh we gathered uh, a leaf you know what do you think knowing what you know from this what do you think now let's predict who thinks that this is going to sink and float and now the kids have those words saying sink and float and buoyancy and it's uh because they've experienced it and because they've played with it it's not something where we said, well, now, children, here's something. I'm going to put a cork in the water and it's going to float. Now, children, that's called buoyancy, right? And that's meaningless to them until they work with it and until they get their hands and their brains around it. So this is a small example. We could probably yeah, talk about can, math and science. You can really see how that starts to build toward the scientific method, uh, which really does lead to the next question, which is uh, how do we see this? Now, a lot of our approach from grade to grade is that we do sort of a spiral learning. Everything we learn in one grade builds to something we're going to learn as we get older. How does play sort of cut across the grade levels um, in that sort of spiral approach? Right. It's a, uh, it's definitely infused in everything. I would say our faculty are playful. They're lifelong learners. And so we're always pursuing more, deeper, better understanding. Uh, and, so it's an approach. So it's, it's a, it's not necessarily a specific pedagogy, but it's certainly an openness to ways that we can explore materials, uh, and, ha and, and learn more, uh, or learn more specifically or, or refine what we know. So as you said, the spiral curriculum is beautiful and is by design something that takes what you've already learned. For instance, um, uh, let's, let's take, well, we can talk about science as far as going up the scientific method. What's what? What are questions that we can ask? Right? What what is going to drive our learning? What materials do we have? What resources do we have? So whether you're learning about circuits in third grade, we don't just say this is how you make a closed circuit, and here's one with a switch, and you'll notice when these are connected to the opposite sides of the battery, blah 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 blah, it lights up the bulb. We give them the stuff and say, go figure something out, right? Come back, right? Or or little uh little uh quarter size batteries that we have little LED lights that that Gene in the technology lab will say, here's, here's a bunch of materials. I want you to just explore them and then see, see what you can come back and tell the group in five minutes, right? And they'll all come back and they'll say, the LED lights this way if I squeeze it, but not if it squeezes the other way. So, and so well, what do we think about that? So then you have polarity and then you have, you know, plus and minus and you have the flow of energy that way. And, and then once they play with that, then they can say, okay, what do we want to do with this now? And so you have kids who then say, I want to create a pig whose nose lights up when people come near it. So I want to use these sensors and I want to use this and this is how I'm going to make the switch complete and this is how I can release it and so it doesn't light up and so all of that that that, that you can build on you can build on in uh, third grade how, how does a how does a plan grow okay what if we now we start playing with variables right what are variables that we can play with scientific method please have one variable right so these are the things and that then becomes the imposed constraint that you then can work and play within it's the same thing it's the same thing so our description of learning and work is 
kids play. It's it's their job. It's what they do. I think Maria Montessori said that work is the play of uh, play is the work of children. I said it backwards. Um, math, right? You have big numbers, and if you look at our spiral curriculum, you'll say, okay, they get introduced to large numbers in third grade. Oh, then they have it again in fourth grade. Well, that must be boring. Why do they do that two years in a row, right? But the idea that they and they're maturing, they're everything they come into, uh, everything they encounter with their own learning and their world informs what they know and helps them reconstruct and, as I said, refine sort of what they've been in, in touch with before. You see this with world languages and everything. It becomes more and more precise. Um beautifully. But in terms of like big numbers, sometimes maybe you're learning about, okay, if this is the tens place, then what do you think the next one would be? Well, I know that's a hundred. So maybe that's the hundreds place. Okay. Yeah. And so we kids again, not, um, not willy nilly constructing their own learning. Definitely. That's the role of the teachers is to set up those classroom experiences. So they are guided, but not dictated to, right. It's there, it's there, it's, so much more kids learn so much more from each other than they do from the teachers but the teacher's job is to provide for those opportunities and to uh and to step in when necessarily well you know no uh that's not actually right so let's figure out why right and to be able to guide their learning uh so they're not off track but to be able to keep them on the right path so in fourth grade when they come back to big numbers they they may it's just deeper it's just a deeper understanding with it so now we're going to use big numbers and we're going to and we're going to have to do a long division with big numbers okay so wow, it's really important to keep track of what those place values are. So, okay, so let's play a game with this and let's figure out where we are. Let's try to make the biggest number we can. Here are six digits, right? And and they're ranging, right? So you and your group figure out with those six digits to make the highest number you possibly can with those. Okay, and so then they're working together and they're collaborating and they're figuring out, well, nine has to be over here. Well, how many do we have? Okay, so we can only go up to the the hundred thousandths place or, you know, how can we construct this? Okay, now I want you to make the lowest number you possibly can. Boom, 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 boom. And there's sort of, you know, com- competition is good. So maybe one group has this set of numbers and this over here and we, we see who has the biggest number, all of that. Um that then becomes sort of games with rules, but they're, but they're playing with what they were learning before. So play can come through exploration and learning can come through, uh, being introduced to something. So there's, there's an introduction. This also is curricular as well. There's an introduction to a subject. There's, there's the grappling with it and the figuring it out. And then there's the mastery of it, right? And so there's different, places that you enter in with different subject areas and different content. I don't know if that answered. Absolutely. Okay. And, and that is actually a, a perfect place to leave this section of the conversation off because we've, we've worked our way up through the lower school and left off in fourth grade, touched a little bit on that group learning. So next time we talk, we'll check back in with, with how we work with groups and how group play enforces what we've talked about so far and then how these things start to show themselves higher up in the school. So that we will leave for the next conversation. So thank you for this one. And I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow about this. Yeah. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on Joy in Learning, the Harley Schools podcast. We look forward to sharing interesting stories, discussing educational topics, and exploring ideas with you on our next episode. See you again soon.